Luke chapter 8, I'm very thankful for the Bible. And the more I read the Bible, the more I get impressed with God. He is an amazing God and so wonderfully puts things together that help us individually. Tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about the nude dude in a rude mood. <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting here. This fellow right here gets encountered by the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, of course, after Jesus gets together and he talks to them about the parable of the soil and the different soils, the four different soils that people take in the word of God and some it's on hard soil and the Satan takes it away and others of them, it's so shallow that as soon as they have any kind of a heat or sun or wind, it just goes away. And then others, it's overtaken by the cares of this world, the prosperity or riches or um, um, of uh, pleasures of the world kind of keep it from uh, choking it out. And that's if you look across Christianity, you'll see a lot of that. And then some, uh, the Word of God lands on a very so fertile soil that creates um, multiplication and productivity. And that's what you want. That's what I want. After he finishes that, he tells about being the light. And if you have a light, if God's lit you up, don't let work keep you from showing your light. Show your light at work and don't let work keep you and finances keep you from showing your light. Number two, don't let leisure, don't put your light under a bed or under a bushel. Don't let leisure uh, keep you. Don't be lazy. And don't just be looking for the next party or the next break. We ought to be after, the, after what God called us to do. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while his day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said, my father works and I work. One, some folks are afraid of work. They want to run away from work. Don't be that way. He said, don't let work and don't let your secular job keep you from being a good light for God. Don't let leisure uh, keep you and the pursuit of, of rest and ease keep you from being faithful to that. And then we find that the Lord Jesus, Mary and his siblings came to look for him. And we know that Two of his siblings was James, the one who wrote the book of James, and Jude, the one who wrote the book of Jude, were in that group of people. And Jesus was very uh, compassed about with a lot of people, and they stood, they couldn't even get in to where he was speaking. And people got the word to him and said, hey, your mom and your brothers and your sisters are looking for you. Now, probably at this time, they may not have even believed on him. They may not have believed he to be the real Messiah. Mary would be different than that, I think, but maybe his siblings did not. But anyway, he used this time to say, you know who really is my mother and my brothers and sisters? Anyone who hears what God wants them to do and they do it. They're my real siblings. They're the ones who are my brothers and sisters, people that are in the family of God together who hear what God wants them to do and they do it. And that's a great reminder to all of us. There's nothing like sweet partnership in the work of God. And partnership is strengthened by people who will obey the Bible. Not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And the Bible says, if you hear these things, happy are ye if you do them. The happiest Christians I've ever met are the obedient Christians. People who just know if God wants them to do it, they do it. They know what they're supposed to do and they do it. And you and I can find happiness. Now, happiness is a terrible goal, but it's a wonderful byproduct. You do what God wants you to do, and you're going to find happiness is going to catch up to you. You try to chase happiness, you might as well catch your shadow. It's not going to happen. 
but you turn your face around and chase the Lord and the will of God for your life, and happiness will be a byproduct of that. And he says, happy are ye if you hear what God tells you to do and you do it. At this time, the Lord Jesus tells the disciples, we're over in Capernaum, and let's go across the Sea of Galilee. And um, they're going to go across. Now, these guys, many of them, not all of them, Matthew would probably be the exception to that, Nathaniel potentially, and some others, but most of those guys are very familiar with the Sea of Galilee and certainly being aboard a boat or a ship. The Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. And it's surrounded by, by hills on both sides. And it's not uncommon for it to have some real tumultuous or difficult storms that would come very easily. The, 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 uh, the, the jet streams come across that and come in there and they can stir up that little sea. They call it the, the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. While I was uh, in, the, in the Middle East and in, on our Holy Land trip that you allowed us to go to, our group got together and we took a picture there. I think I have that for you. Right behind us there is the Sea of Galilee, and it's a, a beautiful, beautiful area that we can get, to, get, a, get, to, get the, uh, the, the view of that. But it's all around that sea we can see uh, is, uh, is a, a 13 miles by, you can see right across it. But you can also see how it could be all tore up. Thank you very much. You can put that off. However, Jesus got in the boat, and, and it had been a long day, and Jesus fell asleep in the hull of the boat. And the storm got it going so bad that uh, these, some of these guys, I don't know if it was Peter, James, and John, the guys who knew boating, but somebody went down and finally woke up Jesus and said, hey, we're going to die. We're taking in water. The wind is beyond us. Measure, we're going to die. Wake up, Jesus, wake up. And they woke him up, and, and he said to them in verse number 25, where is your faith? They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They had seen him do many wonderful things. And now they have a storm, and they're all nervous about it. And they think, what's wrong? Are well, you going to help us? We're going to die. And he tells them, he does speak, and the storm is quieted. But then he says, guys, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And boy, that's a good question for me to be asked. Because the most important thing about us is what? Is our faith. Do we believe God? It's the difference between a giver and a stingy person. It's the difference between someone willing to forgive someone and willing to hold the grudge. You know why you'd hold the grudge and not forgive someone when God told you to do it? Because you don't trust him. You don't trust him to take care of the outcome. Oftentimes, marriages end because someone doesn't have enough faith in God and determination to keep working. You don't have to trust your spouse. Trust God. And then continue loving, continue working, continue in that process. So many things can be fixed if we'll, if we'll fix it by faith. He said, where's your faith? Well, the storm calmed with just him coming to the bow of the ship and speaking peace to the storm. And I'm glad that God has that power. And if there's anything in this past scripture I can see real quickly is the authority and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. I can trust Jesus. You can too. He is, he is not nervous about a storm. He's not, he's not nervous about computers or world events. I was talking to someone today and they began telling me about Biden and Trump and this and all that stuff. And certainly 
Those are things that can frustrate the fire of any common sense person. You know, you can tell people who need common sense. People who don't have common sense are people like who don't wear deodorant. You know, you can tell they, they just they don't have it on and they need it, <laughs> you know, and well, that's kind of way it is with common sense. I can't believe somehow how intelligent people can be so absolutely um, idiots, you know. But it seems like that's the case. But the truth of the matter is, world events, God does not get excited about that one bit. He is not nervous. He's not biting his fingernails. He's not a bit, bit concerned. He doesn't even have a headache. It's playing right into his hand. What I need to do is stay faithful to God in the realm that God's given me. Spend a little less time trying to figure out everything on Fox News and, and every place else and, and decide, you know, what does God want me to do with my, with my stuff and with my responsibility? Well, Jesus speaks peace to the storm. As they landed on the, the, the other side, they came to an area of the Gentile gathering, the gathering. There were more Gentiles on that side. It's more the Jordan side of, of the Sea of Galilee. More Gentiles were there. And very quickly, he is approached by a demon-possessed man who comes to him. Jesus doesn't seek him out, but he comes to Jesus. Now, you know, sometimes you wonder about this, and I don't know if it's true. Brother Buddy Blanco wrote a song or sang a song about this, and I, I might play it on the radio tomorrow morning on the Grace to Grow Live broadcast. It's a great song. But you wonder if this, this demon-possessed man who ran around without any clothes in a graveyard, isolated from society, could not be bound with chains. They tried to constrain him, but he, he's not restrained. He's lonely, frustrated, but he sees a storm. He hears guys crying on the boat, yelling, think, we're going to die, we're going to die. And then all of a sudden you see somebody stand up on the bow of that boat and say something, and everything goes calm. Now, I wonder if he didn't think in his own heart, you know, I wonder if that guy could calm my heart. If he can speak that calmness to that sea and take something so messed up, people screaming and all the, the noise of fear. I wonder what he could do in me. I can't help but think there's people like that all over the world. That if they just knew how to get to Jesus, if they knew his power, they could have some calmness. I remember one time witnessing to a guy, I'd, I'd tried to talk to him many times. And his name was Moses. And uh, my wife watched his children and, and he worked in, I remember one day being real burdened for him, and I followed him out to the car, and he was putting some things in the back of his car. I said, Moses, I'm really concerned about you. Would you give me a few minutes to share with you from the Bible how you could be saved, how you could have peace? I'll never forget him slamming that trunk down, turn around sitting on that trunk and saying, you know, John, I know I've shined you off many times. He said, but I'm really tired of all the noise. There's a lot of noise out there. I haven't had anybody tell me from the Bible. And you want to do it? I said, I do want to do it. He said, I'm ready. And we, we got to go. And I remember sitting down. That guy, he was a big old guy, but he cried like a little girl when he called out to the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know that he had really a real rough dad. His dad was very against him. And he missed that affirmation from his father, but he found it in the person of Jesus. 
remember seeing him get baptized and be discipled and grow in the Lord. I'll never forget what he said. I'm just sick of hearing all this noise. I imagine this guy was pretty sick of it too. He saw the peace that he gave to the Sea of Galilee and he said, I wonder if he can give some peace to me. Let's see what he says here, if we can, please, and take a couple things here. Verse 26, and as they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee, when he had went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time. This is not a temporary problem this guy's had. He has been infused with satanic. And you know what the truth of the matter is? He was unclean. He was unclean. That's kind of what was known. You know, people who are involved with sexual immorality, they know what it's like to be unclean. People that have been involved with the occult, they know what it's like to be unclean. People that have sexual addictions, they know what it's like to feel filthy. He was unclean. He was miserable. People that are bound by, by chains of addiction, this guy knew what it was like. And the Bible tells us that he was, he was bound. He was miserable. And for a long time, he had been really in trouble. Look, if you would, please, at the next scene. And he wear no clothes. We got, uh, let me just say this real quickly. And, of course, we're coming to the summertime. And um, satanic activity involves nudity and seductive dress. It's just it is. I, I was... Um, Watching something the other day, and I don't, I don't know what all was going on with that. It was I think it was a, it was a commercial on a ball game, but it was selling underwear. Before you know it, you have something all everybody's fine. Then all of a sudden, someone strips down, and now everybody's stripped down their underwear, dancing. Thinking about that, and just, just the, the satanic thing. You know, God has made the human body. He's made the human body, and Satan loves to mark it up. He loves to pierce it. He loves to scar it. He hates the human body because the human body brings glory to God. And we ought to wear clothes. And this guy, he was satanically infused and he didn't wear any clothes, run around naked. And the more, and we see, we see this in the Bible, you can see a whole passages of Scripture in the book of Leviticus, a whole chapter about the, the negatives of being naked, not clothing ourselves. We see it now as almost commonplace. And there's no respect, but we wear clothes, and, and all through the Bible, the Bible gives these principles. But we wear clothes for four reasons. Number one, for protection. It, it, clothes protect you from having further injuries and things of that nature. Uh, we wear clothes for modesty, to cover there, there are obviously sexual zones of every person's body, and especially on a lady's body, sexual zones. And, of course, we see all through the Bible the attire of a harlot, uh, how someone is dressed and, and how they appear. And, and our world today is so, uh, it's, just, it's very satanically infused. But uh, modesty, the next reason we get clothes because of modesty and and taking care of that, and be careful, girls and young men, uh, is, is to make sure that you cover yourself, and you're, mod you're modest in your dress and your attire. The third reason we're clothes is for distinction between a man and a woman. 
And of course, we can't already believe some of the challenges that are coming against this, uh, this society today. But a lot of it started back years ago with the unisex movement. Not taking away, I mean, you know, 50 years ago, they didn't even think about adding all these genders. They just wanted to get the two genders blended. You know, get them, get them blended. Get the guys wearing what girls wear and the girls wear and having no distinction. A hundred years ago, a lady wearing a dress was not even a problem. It was just normal. In the last few years, it's winded down. It's created a, a, a confusion among the two. And the Bible tells us, I mean, you can say, well, that's Deuteronomy. But he said, man, don't wear that which pertains to a woman. And woman, don't wear that which pertains to a man. There ought to be an obvious distinction in that. And I think the greater and the deeper our love is for God, the more we want to please the Lord. We don't want to just appease Him. We want to please Him. We want to just go by a, a give me a rule. Just give me love. What would God want most for us? And he says here, this guy was demon-possessed, and it's very clear in every place in Mark chapter 5 that he was naked. He was, he was unclothed. He wore no clothes. It's a sickening thing, but demonic activity, satanic activity wants to bring on every time they have a Super Bowl halftime thing. And I don't know why anyone would ever watch that based upon all they've done. All it is is how vulgar can someone get? How, how, how can we do something that really is an eye-opener? What part of the body can we reveal? What kind of a seductive thing can we do this time so that we can really go over the top on the next Super Bowl? It's, it's unbelievable. But it has to be infused by satanic activity. So wear clothes for protection. Wear clothes for modesty. And uh, some of them, well, I don't know. I think I'm more modest than this than we've been at. Listen, you can argue all you want to, but you can figure it out if you want to. We got people been saved for just a few months who are so quick to do whatever God wants them to do. Then other people have been saved for 30 years or fighting like all get out to dress like however they want to. And you go figure that out for yourself. But we know we ought, to, we ought to go to a place that we get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord. We ought to live more pure, more holy, more above reproach. And then distinction between a man and a woman make an obvious thing. This is different. There are two genders. That's it. God hath made them male and female. You can make up all the other genders you want, but God's only got two. And he wants one to be obvious. See, that's a man, and over here, that's a lady. And he lays it out in the scriptures, and anybody who, who cares to know how God thinks about it, you read the Bible, and you'll figure it out pretty quick. You won't have anyone have to explain it to you. And then the last reason for clothing is for a testimony for the Lord Jesus. It, it gives others a good testimony. When someone is dressed for protection and for modesty and for distinction, then you give others a good opinion of God who made your body, who made you. And you ought to think about it. Well, you say, well, this is my body. No, if you're saved, it's not. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of who? Of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of you have your own. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. So therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your bodies, which are God's. They belong to him. And I think these are some areas that we see here. This is a, a demon-possessed person. And one of the first things we find out after he's been possessed a long time is 
he's, he's, he's vulgar. He's, he's not clothed. He, he has no shame to cover his body. Look at the next thing the Bible tells us. He says, uh, neither abode in any house. He was a homeless. Now, I'm not telling you everybody is homeless has just got this problem, but I'll just tell you a lot of it is. And he was a loner. You ever notice how many people that are mass murderers are loners? They'll tell them, oh, they're just loners. They're all, they, didn't, they didn't have very many friends, and they're loners. You know, part of that is satanic. Coming together with God's people, and every once in a while some of you will say, well, I'm just a loner. Maybe that's not what God wants you to be. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a man or some is. You know, God wants us to be together. He doesn't, you don't have to have friends around you all the time, but you ought to be someone to, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. This guy was a loner. He didn't even dwell in the house. He, he lived among the tombs. He, he, he would just be happy around the, around the tombs. And no doubt the, the, the community scared the snot out of him from him, had a hard time with where he was. Let's continue if we can. Verse number 28. And when he saw... Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice, he said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high? I beseech thee, trouble or torment me not. Here's just a couple thoughts real quickly. And of course, this, this demonic demon knew more than the average liberal pastor knows. They know who Jesus is, that he's the son of God. They know more than then the cults know. This demon figured this out. He said, hang on a second. You are the son of the most high God. So people who say they're Christians that don't even believe that Jesus is God. They didn't believe he's the son of God. Here, this demon figured it out pretty quick. Let's look at the next thing it says. The Bible says, he said, don't, don't torment me not or don't cast me into the abyss. He goes, I know. You know, the devil is very subtle, but he's not very wise. He's very sneaky, but he's not very smart, not very wise. Because he knows what God says, he's doomed forever. But he has no interest in making an adjustment on that. Boy, the, sometimes there's people that are Christians that way. I had a lady one time tell me she's gonna, she knows she wasn't supposed to go through a divorce with her husband. She had no biblical right to do it. And she said, well, I've calculated my consequences. Because I've already calculated my consequences. I know I'm not supposed to do this, Pastor, but I've already calculated what's going to happen. Whatever happens to me, I've calculated and I think I can handle it. Boy, that's, that's, that's dumb. There's no wisdom in that whatsoever. That sounds like the devil. <laughs> he thinks, you know, I know I'm going there, but I'm going to do this. and, and I'm gonna do he, just, he has subtlety, but he doesn't have wisdom. He's the opposite of that. They said, hey, don't, don't, don't send me to hell yet. That's what they asked him. Look at the next one, if you would, please. Verse number 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, and oft times he had caught him, and he was kept bound in chains and fetters, and he brake the bands, and he was driven of the devil into the wilderness, took him away from society and people, and uh, he, could not, he, he was not to be restrained. Verse number 30. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. He had many devils. And of course, that could have been 20, it could have been 100, it could have been 6,000, but it was a lot of them. And when they besought him 
that he would not command them to go out into the deep. They, they begged him. And you know, it's interesting that Jesus answered the prayer of a demon. He's even merciful to his adversary. And probably we ought to do the same. But he said, you know, would you not send us out into the abyss? And then they suggested there was in there a herd of swine, pigs, feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them, or he, he allowed them to do it. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and were choked or drowned. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled, and they went and told into the city and into the country. So we find here that the demons said, you know, please don't send us into the abyss now. He said, how about, the, could you let us go into, you know, demons like to live inside of, of, of living organisms. Um, there's, if you study this, and it's not even fun to study in my opinion. I, I want to be wherever demonology isn't, you know. I'm not interested in that stuff and have dealt with it a few times, but I'm certainly not looking for it. And nor should I be afraid of it, or you should be afraid of it. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we find here, even here, that, the, the demons, they can't, they can't say boo without the Spirit of God or without the, the power of Jesus. But now he comes to him, he said, hey. He worshiped him and he said, okay, you got a problem. What's your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. He said, please, man, don't, don't, don't throw us out into the abyss early. We know we're going there, but not now. He said, there's some, there's some pigs over here. How about throwing us in the pigs? And I don't know exactly all that was going on in the life of Jesus. Now, of course, this is the Gadarenes. This is not Israel. Pigs would not be kosher in the, um, in the Jewish system, and they were unclean animals. Maybe he did that. It's just a show there. I don't know. But he said, all right, take that. And they all ran off a cliff and drowned. And the people that watched them went into the city and the country, and they started telling them, man, we lost 2,000 pigs just a few minutes ago. And this guy... Uh, sent, them into, sent some demons into the pig. They all drowned. They went everywhere telling them that. Then the Bible tells us they besought him. Look, if you would please. Verse 35. And when they went out to see what was done and came to, the, to Jesus, they found the man. This is beautiful. Out of whom the demons were departed. Notice what he was. Read the rest of it. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Number two. Clothed. Number three. And they were afraid. Here, this guy they were terrified by, sleeping in the, could you imagine trying to have a funeral, have to deal with this, this naked man running around, making noises, foaming at the mouth, terrified of him. And now that very same guy, they come, going to see what happened, what the 2,000 pigs did drown, and they really love pigs more than people. <laughs> They loved the prophet more than they did to care for the people. But they came to see him, and they see this very same demoniac sitting with Jesus, listening to Jesus. He's got clothes on, and he's in his right mind. He's just as, just as solid and, and, and fluid as he could be. And it scared them. They'd seen a, a, a drastically change in the person. By the way, all of us ought to be drastically changed when we come to Jesus. We've got to live a very distinct, different... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things, they're passed away. 
They don't all pass away at the same time, but they all become new. That become means a continual change. If you're not changing, you're not growing. We ought to be continually shedding things that are hurtful to the Lord and acquiring things that most please him. This guy was in his right mind, and they were afraid. Look at who the rest of you would please. And verse number 36, and also they saw it, um, I'm sorry, and also which saw it told them by what means he was possessed of a devil was healed. They explained to him what happened. And the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from him. So will not you, would you mind just going away from our shores? For they had taken great, with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man of whom the devils had departed sought him, that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, here's a prayer request he didn't answer. He said, hey, can I go with you? Here's this demonic man who had been relieved, and he gets back on the boat and said, can I, can I go with you? Can I leave with you? Can I be around you? And Jesus said yes to so many things in this, par- in this parable, in this, not parable, the story. But he said no to him here. And see what he said to him to do. He said, return to thine own house and show how great things God has done to thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. What a great method is when God touches you and you can testify to others about what Christ has done for you. You know, all of us ought to be talkers. We ought to be talking to Jesus in prayer. We ought to be talking about Jesus to brothers and sisters who know him. And we ought to be talking for Jesus to people who do not know him yet. This man, took, he said, I don't, I don't need you to go with me. Here's what I need you to do. There are 10 cities in the Gadarenes, Decapolis, 10 t- cities. He said, go home. Tell the people at the house. And then go around and tell people what great things the Lord has done for you. Boy, first, anybody ought not be a complainer, ought to be a child of God. If you want to complain about the weather, shouldn't do that. That's, that God helps us with that, right? We ought to not complain. We ought to complain about anything. We ought to be so, so grateful, happy, and showing people what great things the Lord has done for us. Let's pray together, can we?